Uh, let's uh, turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read verses 43 through 47. Matthew 5, verses 43 through 47. You can find it on page 1503 of your Pew Bibles. 1503. Matthew 5, verses 43 through 47. You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Thus ends our reading of God's inerrant word. May all who hear it learn to love as their father loves. All right. Carrie had you close your eyes. Now I'm going to have you close your eyes as well. <laughs> I want you to close your eyes. Picture in your mind the person that you are closest to and love the most. Maybe it's your spouse or parents or a sibling. It could be a child or perhaps your best friend. Now imagine that it's their birthday and you want to do something special for them. And there's, there's no limits as to, as to what you can do. You have an unlimited budget and unlimited access to take them anywhere that they want to go. What would you plan for that person to demonstrate how much you love them? Okay, do you have the, the day planned in your mind? Now, I want you to think of your worst enemy. The person that you despise the most. It could be someone you know. It could be someone you don't know. Maybe it's a politician or a terrorist. Maybe it's a, a, a group of people, people who, who don't think the way you think. Do you have that person in mind? Now, Imagine that it's your birthday, and they planned out something special for you. And similarly, they, they have no limits as to what they can do, and they, have, and they have an unlimited budget and unlimited access to take you anywhere that you want to go, and they have arranged the, the perfect day that you would want. Seriously, they did everything that would be on your list. Okay, open your eyes. Who did you think of in that last example? How did, how did you feel thinking about them showing love to you? Was it difficult? Was it hard to imagine someone like them being capable of love? Did it soften your attitude towards them? Did it harden it? Now, we've been working our way through the, the Sermon on the Mount, and, and we've been going through what are known as the antitheses. These are the six sayings of Jesus that begin with, you have heard that it was said, and end with, but I tell you. 
You see, Jesus had, had told his disciples that he had not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill them. And in doing so, he was correcting the wrong interpretations of Old Testament scriptures that had become acceptable during his day. These were words from God that were being abused for selfish reasons. And thus far, he, had, he has talked about murder, adultery, divorce, oaths, and eye-for-eye eye justice. All these things, Jesus delved deep into the heart of the matter. It's not enough to, to avoid the act of murder. Instead, one, one must not harbor the seeds of murder, which is anger within. Similarly, it's not, it's not enough to avoid making oaths in Yahweh's name. Rather, everything a person does, they must let their yes be yes and their no be no. For all promises are intrinsically connected to God. And now here in this sixth and final antithesis, Jesus speaks about how we are to treat our enemies. Once more, this goes to the heart of a person. Look again at, at verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now this saying comes from an amalgamation of, of two different verses. The first of which is easy to pinpoint. It comes to us from Leviticus 19, verse 18. We actually read this verse last Sunday, but let's look at it again. Leviticus 19.18 Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. I find it ironic that this command to love your neighbor comes in the context of revenge or, or bearing a grudge. God is obviously commanding his people to show love to people that they, that they do not like. In a way, he is already telling them to love their enemies. So how in the world did the saying come about, love your neighbor and hate your enemies? As we'll soon see, it all depends on how one defines the word neighbor. But first, the, the, the second part of the saying. We read this in our first scripture reading today. It comes to us from Psalm 139. There, there we see David extolling Yahweh, singing about his wisdom, about his power, about his loving kindness. David speaks gratitude to his, to his God for creating him and, and setting him on a path of salvation. And then in verse 19, he demonstrates his loyalty to his creator with these words. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. 
You see, the, what, what the people of Israel had done was to, was to twist together two unrelated verses in order to validate their own hatred of others. By, by fusing these verses together, both from Leviticus 19 and Psalm 139, you get the saying, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. And so the question still remains, who was one's neighbor and who was one's enemy? Was a neighbor only the people of Israel? After all, it was only the Israel, Israelites that served Yahweh, the one true God. This would make everyone else people who rise up against God and thus enemies to be hated. So the pagans, such as, such as the Romans or the Samaritans, they would be considered enemies. But what about those within the camp? Surely there must be some enemies there as well. Could any of the Israelites be considered an enemy and not a neighbor? Certainly the, the people who have left God's commands, such as the sinners and the, and the prostitutes, they must be considered enemies, right? And what, what about the tax collectors? People who had betrayed their own for profit. By all means, these people were definitely enemies of God and thus to be hated. Do you see how this works? We, we, we begin to de define these words by our own terms in order that we can justify the hatred that we have for others. We can justify the hatred of just about anybody. All we need to do is define the terms. Our, our society today is no different. Who is your neighbor? And who is your enemy? Who do you feel justified in hating? So, so think of uh, rival football teams. A, a Wolverine is going to hate a Buckeye. And a Buckeye is going to hate a Wolverine. That's just the way it works, right? While this may seem childish and superficial, there, there really are strong feelings of animosity tied into sports. Or what about that, that, that crazy driver that, that cuts you off and almost causes that accident? Certainly he is an enemy worthy of your hatred. But where we see this most prominently in our culture today is in the, in, is in the arena of politics. When it comes to Republicans or Democrats, there's, there is justification to call them enemies and to hate them. The, the left hates the right and the right hates the left. And we, and we accept such hatred because each side feels that the, the other is the one that is spewing the hatred. And so it's okay to hate the haters. You see, our, our natural propensity is, is to love the things that look like us and to hate the things that are not the same. But Jesus calls you to a new perspective. He is asking you to love that which is different, that which you find ugly and vile. Look at verse 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
The, the real direction that God's law points you towards is love. A love that extends even to your enemies. Jesus was telling his disciples that this command to love goes beyond their definition of what they considered to be a neighbor. In the Gospel of Luke, we read of a lawyer who, who questioned Jesus on, on what he must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus told the man to love God and to love his neighbor. But the man wanted to justify his hatred. And so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? This is where we get the story of the Good Samaritan. You all know it. There's a man on the road. He's hurt. He's beaten. A priest walks by, leaves the man alone. A Levite walks by, leaves the man alone. And then a Samaritan walks by. Carries the man, takes care of him, gives him enough money so that he can be healed. You see, in this story, Jesus demonstrated that, that the true neighbor was not the priest. It was not the Levite. But it was the Samaritan, the one who showed mercy to the man who was beaten and lying on the path. Jesus, he expands our definition of neighbor to include the pagans and the sinners that are among us. Your enemy, this, this one that you hate, is your neighbor. And because of that, Jesus commands you to love them. Now notice, Jesus doesn't tell you to stop hating them. He didn't say that. He doesn't want you to just toss out those feelings of righteous anger that, that, that come about when your enemies are committing acts of evil. But your love for them must trump and eventually overcome such hatred. So Jesus doesn't just overthrow those verses from Psalm 139. Rather, he overshadows them by expanding your love. Think, think of Sally uh, in, that, in that video we just watched. She lost her father. She lost her husband. They took her daughter away for four years. I mean, the atrocities that, that the Khmer Rouge committed upon the people of Cambodia, they're, they're worthy of a lifetime of hatred. But Fali, she no longer harbors such hatred because of the love that God has shown to her. Instead, she, she prays for her enemies. For God to forgive the people that, that had done those evil acts. Now, now do you think that, that Fally got to that place of love and forgiveness overnight? No, of course not. But over time, as she read God's word little by little, as she explained, as she experienced God's love firsthand, her love for her enemies grew. And she's at the point now where she prays for God to forgive them. And this is what Jesus commands of each and every one of you. To pray for those who persecute you. Once again, Jesus hearkens you back to the, to the Beatitudes. Look at, look at Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God's people will often face persecution, but you 
are to love your tormentors and to pray for them. This is the extent to which you are to love. Even if you are imprisoned, or if you are beaten, or threatened with death, you are to both pray, pray for, and love your enemies. But how do you do this? What does it look like to love your enemy? The Apostle Paul gives us a great definition of love. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This. This is how you are to treat your enemies. Let me ask you, do you ever find yourself saying, I just have no patience for him or for her? Or do you ever say this, I can forgive, but I can never forget? Are, are, are there people in your life that you just simply ignore, hoping that they'll just go away? We, we, you see, we typically read this passage at weddings, right? It, 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 and keeping such a standard of love is tough enough when it comes to a spouse. But this is how you are, how you are to act towards your enemies, towards those who, who persecute you. Consider that for a moment. Jesus is calling you to a difficult, difficult task. But he doesn't just leave it at, at the command. He, he gives you a reason to show such love. Look at verse 45. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Again, this is a, a reference going back to the Beatitudes. Uh, Matthew 5 verse 9 says this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Part of being a peacemaker is loving and praying for your enemies. This is what it means to be a son or, or a daughter of God. You are to pattern your life after the Father. Look what the rest of verse 45 says. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. This is what the Father does. This is His common grace that He pours out upon all men. Because He loves all men. Even the evil and the unrighteous. People who are His enemies. People who have declared war upon Him. He gives to, him, he gives to them the sun. He gives to them the rain. He sustains their lives. Even the most staunch of atheists gets to breathe in oxygen every day. They get to stay warm and fed. As a, as a child of God, you are to love what your father loves. 
And God loves his enemies. And he, and he demonstrates that love by pouring out his grace upon all men. You see, God's love is greater than the world's notion of love. You see this in verses 46 and 47. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Both the tax collectors and the, and the pagans, these, these groups that were considered enemies of the Jews, even they know how to love those that they considered to be their neighbors. If it was a family member or one of their own, they were capable of showing both compassion and warmth. Believe it or not, evil men know how to love. Even Hitler loved Eva Braun. Listen to what Martin Luther had to say about this verse. Do you see how pious you are? If you are friendly and kind only to your friends, you are just about as pious as the thieves and the scoundrels, as the whores and the criminals, or as the devil himself. There is a difference in, in only loving those who love you back and in loving, in loving the ones who may never return such love. The first is a selfish kind of love, for there is a return in your investment. The second is a love that can only come from the Father because it is a love that flows in one direction. It is a giving of yourself to the ones that hate you. To quote another theologian, listen to what Alfred Plummer had to say. To return evil for good is devilish. To return good for good is human. To return good for evil is divine. To love as God loves is moral perfection. God is, is calling you to a higher form of love. A divine love. A love that, that asks nothing in return, but only gives. A love that demonstrates that, that you are His children, because such love is exactly how He chose to love you. And His love is proven, not only in the fact that He gave you the sun and the rain, but in the fact that He sent His Son to die for your sins. John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is how he made peace with you. Christ came into this world to love his enemies, of which you were one. And he demonstrated such love by living a righteous life for you. By being nailed to the cross for your sins. And by praying these words as his enemies watched him slowly die. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This is how he loved his enemies and prayed for those who persecuted him. And this is exactly how he loves you. He gave of himself. 
expecting nothing in return, in order that you might share in His eternal life, that you might become sons and daughters of your Father in heaven, that you might love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Turn away from your hatred and trust in the Lord Jesus, who is the author of perfect love. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we confess that we don't know how to truly love. We let our hate for our enemies get in the way. But that is not what you did with us. Instead, you, you gave of yourself by sending your Son to die for our sins. Help us to walk in the supremacy of your love through the power of your Holy Spirit, that we, that we may be considered sons and daughters of you, our Heavenly Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.